you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Sabin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. You know, I am a certified and clinical medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires, because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring my guest on right now. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well and happy to be here, Barbara. Oh, well, I'm so honored to have you come. Uh, Let me uh, tell my listeners about you. This is Dr. Shani Fox, and uh, she has stepped up over and over again to help cancer survivors through their greatest challenges, including taming their fears of recurrence, repairing devastated relationships, and making the most of the life that they survive for. You know, bringing her unique expertise as both a holistic physician and certified life mastery coach, she has impacted countless survivors with her life-changing workshops and warm personal presence. Dr. Shani is the author of the Cancer Survivor's Fear First Aid Kit and is a popular speaker and podcast guest for survivor communities. And her posts and articles have been published in the Huntington Post, Breast Cancer Wellness Magazines, and the peer-reviewed Natural Medicine Journal. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? (laughs) Very, very well, thank you. Wow, so how long have you been a a naturopathic uh, physician? And, and how did that all uh, start for you? Well, that was a, a big change becoming a naturopathic physician because I worked in the area of uh, financial operations before that. Oh. I, I was an accountant working in financial operations. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a, you know, it was a midlife uh, change. I, I simply arrived at a day when I realized that I needed to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up <laughs> in my <laughs> 40s. Well. <laughs> Up, up until that point, I had made decisions from a very, very practical standpoint. 
And so I, I went into accounting and it was very good to me from a practical standpoint. I raised my kids and, and, and sent them to college and, and all, all was good from that point of view. But once they were out of the house, I began to look at my life and say, you know, I'm working essentially with paper and money here. And even though I'm doing well, um, I really want to get back to people. And it was just a question of what that would look like. So that it, it, I had actually wanted from an early age to be a doctor. And I'd given that idea up uh, for reasons that at that point no longer made sense. And so I decided, well, this is my chance. I, and that's what I did. I, I, I picked up and, and did some prerequisites while I was working full time and, and found my way to naturopathic medical school here in Portland, Oregon. That's wow, what I've, uh, that's the direction I've taken ever since. That's it. And now uh, I, I know that you um, help people that are diagnosed with cancer. Yes. What made you go into that field? As I came out of school and uh, began to practice, cancer patients and survivors simply found their way to me. Mm. It's partly because natural medicine has a lot to offer. You know, the, the, the conventional care system is very, very focused on medical treatment, uh, which they need to do, of course. And what's overlooked, though, in that equation is recovery. And then what happens from there on? Um, recovery is a major deal after cancer treatment, after cancer itself. Um, people need support very often, both physically and emotionally at that time. And so I noticed that gap. I noticed that, you know, I, and, and based on my medical training, I was supporting people's bodies. Their bodies would get well. Everybody would look at them and say, you look terrific, which they did. Um, and they could not believe that they were well. Mm. Their, their, their mindset was out of sync with where they actually were physically. So I, and I, I saw this often enough to realize that this is a significant issue, that something is going on in the mental sphere that is preventing people from believing that they're well now, that they're going to remain well, um, and therefore from living their lives because they always feel like there's another shoe about to drop. Well, that's it. do you feel that they really need to think positive and, and clear out those thoughts of the cancer? Um, the brief answer to that, Barbara, is no. <laughs> oh, okay. And yes. Uh, uh, so it's not so much about positivity. Again, I, you know, I, I, I say to people, if you're having a great day, if things look positive, well, go with it. Of course, enjoy it. Um, you know, let's live into positive as much as we can. But the fact of the matter is that life during and beyond cancer is not always positive. Um, people coming out of treatment are often um, frequently fatigued frequently not feeling well, they often have a lot of residual symptoms. And then you have all the mental and emotional issues that I alluded to earlier. So sometimes life sucks during and beyond cancer, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And, and we never want to be, uh, we wanna, never want to be in denial that there are days like that. So my key word is, as opposed to positive, is authentic. Let's look at what's authentic for you in any given day. Um, if things are really not great, let's say so. Let's simply acknowledge the feeling. Now, we don't want to get stuck there. <laughs> That's for right. sure. You right. know, we, we, we want, but we never want to deny that this can happen. And so that, that's my sort of North Star as I work with people is let's find what's authentic for you. And to the extent that there are issues, to the extent that you are not enjoying your life um, fully, as fully as you could, let's identify the issues, work our way forward from there. And of course, I give people all kinds of tools that they can then get back in charge and, and create the kind of life uh, that they'd like to have, including an emotional tone, which is nourishing for them. Do you also help uh, like uh, their spouses or loved ones? Because I know they go through a lot with them. They do indeed. They do indeed. And, and, and of course, there's nothing really in our 
the way we're raised or the way we're socialized that helps us deal with that. Uh, you know, people often even don't even know what to say to a person who's been through cancer. Mm-hmm. Starts with that, not to mention what to do, how to fit in. Um, there's a lot of uh, disconnects, therefore, you know, even people who mean well, for sure. Um, but for example, I have, I, I don't know how many times I've heard cancer survivors say that when I finished treatment, everybody thought I was done. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, now go live your life. Well, that's a lot easier said than done. First of all, they are not done. They know oh, that very well. No, mm-hmm. no. There's so many ramifications uh, uh, from having had cancer and having been through cancer treatment. It needs to be acknowledged and dealt with. And, and people simply don't realize, and they're trying to be positive, you know, and say, well, you know, let's just get back to normal and things. It, it takes a while to recalibrate. And by the way, even normal is, is not an easy word to define once you've had cancer that, you know, life looks different. You are a different person after cancer. Well, that's it. So I, I, I would assume then the issues that they face as they come out of, you know, their treatments are, are probably extremely challenging you know, for most yeah. of them. Yes, th- yes, they are. Yes, they are. You know, let's think about it. I mean, not only a person, so actually to me, this actually goes back to diagnosis. You know, cancer diagnosis more often than not happens as a surprise. People sometimes have symptoms, but not always. And, or, or the symptoms that they had, let's say they, they noticed their energy had been getting lower and lower for a year, but nobody really goes and says, oh, that might be cancer. It's not always cancer, but, I, but right. you know, sometimes that's the only sign that a person has had that something is not quite right. And so the, the diagnosis itself comes as a bit of a shock, not a bit of, sorry, that was a figure of speech. It comes as a shock. And um, then the system more often than not then funnels them straight into treatment without any time to even digest what just happened. Yeah. So there's a, a sort of a, 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 there's a shock that happens right at the beginning of the process, which does not get processed right away. Mm-hmm. People go in, yes, they need to do their treatment. I'm not, um, you know, I don't mean to interfere with any of that, but, but emotionally, this is very difficult. So it gets stuffed for a while as people simply bring to the table what the strength and the resilience they need just to get through this thing. And it's still hanging out when people come out of treatment, that shock. They have not dealt with it. So they've got that accumulated, plus the new challenges of this life that lies before them, mm-hmm. which is all kinds of things. I and mean, let's think about it. At that point, some people, you know, if you've had surgery, you may be missing body parts. Sometimes it's body image, you know, if it's a part that, that is visible to the outside world, someone has this body image issues. Um, there's another consequence that is often not recognized. So this system that we have that funnels people straight into treatment right away very structured, you know exactly where to show up and who's going to be there, et cetera. And then when they, people get out of it, the structure is gone. The support is gone. Right. That they've had for weeks and sometimes months. So they're, not only are things very different in the world, but they, they don't know who to turn to because the oncology team is on to the next patient. Mm-hmm. They're back into treatment again with the next person. So beyond treatment, the world is very very challenging, very murky, very confusing, very overwhelming sometimes. So their emotions really play havoc on them. I would have went during them hearing that they have this, yes. then during the, the whole, you know, chemo or whatever treatment that they go to, then they come home and they still um, don't understand. I would, have, I think, you know, everything that, that has happened to them. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of processing that has to happen. What's happened up till now, and then of course what's going to happen from here on out. 
So in actuality, there isn't much, you could say support for these, these people, you know. That's certainly been the case up until now. Now, you know, there, there is uh, an increasing body of research that's demonstrating these issues, that these issues exist. Um, the biggest of which, or at least the most, I would say the most common of which is fear. Um, you know, people sort of just push through what they need to during treatment and then they come out and it's like, oh, <laughs> what do I need to do to keep that from happening again? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they could be in great shape physically, doing very well physically, but this fear can overwhelm them. And it's demonstrated by research. This has no connection whatsoever to the severity or the extent of the cancer that they had. Oh. So, I mean, you know, person, if a person has stage four, they may very well experience this or not, but they may have had a very, very uh, early stage, let's say breast cancer, you know, the most, one of the most common cancers, the very early stage breast cancer is very often curable, you know, these days, thank heavens, right? Mm -hmm. Treatments have gotten better and better. And yet that person may be no less fearful than the person who was diagnosed with a stage four. So there's really no correlation. This fear actually per research affects 70% of cancer wow. survivors on a persistent basis. The, the vast majority of them are struggling with this on, at, at one level or another. Well, I would assume someone that is diagnosed with stage four knows that this could be the end of their life. Well, any cancer brings up these fears of end of life. That, that, that's of course what's behind the fear ultimately. And you know, even if a person has the best possible outcome that they're doing well, the fear still could exist because they have faced the possibility of their mortality in the near future. Now, do you think energetically the fear uh, could stop them from healing? I know that's a far uh, it, 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 It's absolutely, well, I mean, it, it's hard to draw, you know, we can't prove this, but it, it, it absolutely could be a contributor. Fear, of course, is a biologically wired emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're wired to feel fear for good reasons, in certain circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to get out of the way of traffic, right? You know, but but fear can be kicked in, as you know, you're an energy healer, of course, you know, but for our, our, our listeners' sake, fear can be kicked in by even our imaginations. So yeah. something which does not exist as a real threat to us in the world, our imagination can kick it in. That That's the brilliance and the, the a challenge for human beings is that we have these great imaginations. We can picture all kinds of things that can be created, but fear is one of them. Um, and so, so yes, people can, can create a fear for themselves, which has then hormonal consequences mm -hmm. and neurotransmitter consequences. So we, we create a biological state within our body if we're fearful that is not healthy for us. Um, not just cancer-wise, but in terms of any kind of chronic disease, fear fear contributes biologically to it if we live in it. We live um, in it more often than not. Yes. So even for biological reasons, we would want people to, and and and, and health reasons, physical health reasons, we would want people to learn to manage their fear. So do you feel you feel that then uh, maybe some of them may need uh, some mental health help? Well, in, in some way, shape or form, yes. And when we say mental health help, you know, that often means going to a therapist and I bless all the therapists, they do enormous work in the world. Um, and at the same time, <clears throat> therapy is under the same model as our medical model. It's looking for diagnoses and it, for very reasons that, well, for lots of reasons, once we have a diagnosis, then there's often a treatment for diagnosis. 
Um, so what happens is people will be diagnosed with anxiety or depression, which by the way, may very well be present. If a person is in fear all the time, they're going to be, you know, look like a person with anxiety, of course. Mm -hmm. So, so that it's not that that's an improper diagnosis. The problem is what we do about it and medication, which is often a direction that the mental health world will go. It may help take the edge off things. And I have no problem with it as a short-term tool Mm -hmm. to help people who are not functioning otherwise Mm -hmm. uh, to take, for example, anti-anxiety medication, but as I often say, there is not a pill in the world that can cure fear. Right. I know. So it's not going to the root of the problem. So what needs to happen is we need to get at the root of why. I mean, we know the, the external circumstance which trigger this fear. Sure. Right. Well, of course. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, given that that's something that we, we, we can influence how healthy we are, but we can't ultimately control cancer. I mean, even very healthy people mm-hmm. get cancer. Uh, so it's not fair that way. Um, so, and there's something uncontrollable about it. So what we have to do is go to the person's uh, spirit and, and psychological makeup and look at why they are so subject to fear, why, why fear is allowed to run rampant in their lives. Uh, because fear is, we, we can't get rid of it, given that it's biological, but we can manage it. Mm-hmm. We can learn to get back in charge when it shows up. And so that's the gist of the work that I do. Ah, wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Because fear is a tough one. Uh, It's a very tough one. Yeah. Fear, forgiveness, acceptance, you know, all that is, uh, um, it actually sometimes holds people back from from truly healing. Yes, I I agree with you. Right. They can't get past it. Yes. Especially forgiveness. Uh, You know, I had a, one of, I had two friends, this is, they they both passed away. they both had the same type of breast cancer. Um, mm-hmm. One um, said she would never forgive her father mm-hmm. and she will die, you know, with, with, you know, this hatred in her heart. The other one also had the same type of um, upbringing and dad, but she found it in her heart to forgive him. And I mean, evidently it was their both journeys. One passed away just a few months later and the other one lived 30 more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not at all impossible that mm-hmm. things like this affect our healing journey. Not at all impossible. Yeah, forgiveness is huge. Um, and what people often don't recognize, people who have been dealing with forgiveness issues, which by the way, is at some point in life as most of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, pe- people dealing with forgiveness issues very often don't realize that forgiveness is not saying what the other person did is okay. Mm-hmm. Or I accept what the other person did. Forgiveness actually has nothing to do with that. If if they did something egregious, then it was egregious. It was if it was evil, it was evil. Uh, or at least <laughs> this is the way I've come to to think mm-hmm. about it. But I see that it makes sense, and it makes sense for my the people that I work with. Um, it's not about the other person. Forgiveness is about learning, as you know, to release our own energy out of the situation. Exactly. To say I will no longer invest any more of my own energy or emotions in that person. Right. Who offended me in some way. And so it's really ultimately the benefits of forgiveness are not about the other person. They're they're for us. They're for us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so it's when we can simply be at peace. Yes, that happened, but that does not have to color my life. I will not allow it in fact to color my life. I will choose the 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 emotional tone of my life and and the way I want to live and not let that rain cloud hang over me for the rest of my life. 
Yeah, because that really, uh, it, it keeps us living in the past and not exactly. in, in the moment, I want to say. Exactly. Or, or, or allow us to even really create the future that we want. Yeah, it, exactly. Yes. So now, you know, yes. uh, you help cancer patients all the time. Mm-hmm. How do you actually help them um, lift themselves out of the struggle mode that they're going through? So I am a holistic physician. And then later, uh, after I was a physician, I I went back and certified as a life coach um, because I found that the tools of life coaching were very useful for the situations that I was seeing in my my patients. Um, Coaching being very present and future oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas therapy, again, God bless the therapist, but a a lot of the model of therapy is about the past. Yes. the past, you know, we, we only talk about it to the extent that we just need to get to know somebody, what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But then the real question is, what are you going to do about it now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have compassion for the suffering of the past, but we cannot stay there. We have to decide now what choices we're going to make about it in order to determine the kind of future we're going to have. So that that's the uh, world, the arena in which I'm able to, to work with people um, is, is using life coaching techniques, but really the way it's oriented in terms of cancer survival, the, the, life coaching works for a lot of different uh, issues in life right. uh, for a lot of different populations. But in terms of cancer survivors um, and, and even current cancer patients, the crux of the coaching is about helping people recognize okay. the power that's within them. You know, I'm, I'm sure you do work that's parallel to this using your own modality. Think about it. What does it take to get through cancer? Wow, a lot of strength, a lot of wisdom, a lot of resilience. Yes. And people find these resources within themselves sometimes during a cancer journey. They never even knew they had that kind of strength. And so what we do, what I do with them is help them recognize these resources that they've already got, that they've actually been using, albeit under those particularly difficult circumstances. And now we get to use those same resources. We get to leverage them when you don't actually have cancer hanging over your head. Let's bring that to your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with your own power, take your power to choose how you want life to be for yourself. And that's so important. And yeah. people don't, I, some of them really do not understand that true power that is within them. Yes, yes. Yes. And life, uh, I'm sure you have a story like this too, that, you know, you, you must have at some point recognized that you've got the power to choose. We cannot control all the circumstances that happen no. to us. Mm-hmm. And some of them are very difficult and tragic. Um, but we always have a choice of how we respond. And this is paramount in life after cancer, you know, for helping people get back to the life that really feels good to them under their new circumstances. And do you feel uh, that uh, not just for cancer survivors, but it's actually good for majority of everyone? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is a key to living a good life, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that, you know, cancer survivors have a particular set of circumstances that not all of us deal with. So it's it's important to understand their particular, the the particular issues, but uh, in terms of my my own career. But, you know, I I, I feel like this is what I did when I changed careers. Um, You know, not everybody in their 40s is willing to lay down a career, which whether or not it was ultimately satisfying, it was nevertheless, you know, well-paying and, you know, great benefits and all those sorts of things. You know, people are often very unwilling to lay that down if their soul isn't happy with it and then 
try for something new, go, go for something new. Um, you know, just one example, you know, people, of course, being divorced all the time. Um, people who take up their power after divorce, look, their lives look very different from the ones who remain victims to the suffering of the divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, with all of life's issues that could throw at us. Oh, it's so it's, it's very important to not remain a victim. Yes, yes. So yes. important mm -hmm. because there's always tomorrow and, and, yes. and don't be a victim of what has happened to you in the past. Because yes. then you stay in that energy and I feel it's challenging then to move, well, besides moving forward, but actually to heal. Yes. Yeah, you know, we may not heal from the physical illness, but uh, hopefully we understand, you know, on a uh, maybe emotional and mental spiritual level, why maybe something has happened to us. Uh, yeah, although... Why may never get answered? Why is a tricky question. Um, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you know, we can we can get insights about that, and that's fine, of course, if we do. But um, the the greater question is, or the way I put it to people and myself sometimes is, okay, this has happened to me. Now, what do I do? What do you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I'd rather come to acceptance, though the why may or may not ever become clear. Mm -hmm. But you know, any insights we have around that we can use to help us make our choice. Oh, I realize, you know, you mentioned forgiveness before. If I recognize that my life has been marred by a failure to forgive up until now, mm -hmm. I have the choice as to what to do about that. And you illustrated that some people do and some people don't. You know, it's always everybody's an individual and they get to choose, but but knowing I have the power and and recognizing, oh, this is an area of my life where, you know, I really haven't been happy around this. So this is a good place to invest some energy to see if I can transform this. So I have peace around that and, and get to use the energy that I was holding on to and the you know something in the past with. I can use that to to enhance my new life. Right, exactly. So do you feel that that, that helps them actually to heal? On, on a certain level. oh yes oh yes absolutely absolutely i mean who who wouldn't heal if they have more peace in their life more love in their life mm -hmm. which you know is also something that i help people with you know you, you mentioned in my introduction you know people's relationships can be devastated by cancer yes you know we all know somebody who's had cancer and they'll say oh some people showed up above and beyond i couldn't believe it which is of course wonderful and the same people can often say, but somebody that I expected to show up didn't all of a sudden went missing in action. And, you know, they don't know what to do with that. The other person doesn't know what to do with that, actually. That's part of the reason they didn't show up. But that's probably it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we can have compassion all around. I mean, generally, you know, most often this is not done willfully, but people are all of us to some degree we're not taught so we're unskillful in these yeah. things and sometimes we can't handle it therefore so you know learning how to repair those situations <clears throat> if if the person wants to repair them i mean not everything is worth salvaging but but right. if it's worth salvaging um then then rebuilding that relationship from that broken place you know these are all things that contribute to healing that do you, do you find that uh whether it's a female or male that that say is diagnosed with cancer the spouse uh is like completely lost and doesn't know what to do well hopefully it's not a completely lost situation i mean if, if they are spouses and they have some you know they feel some some um it, you know care they, they want to care for the other person they want to be of support to the other person so very often the will is there it's simply the skills needed to go from the the, the will to do it to 
doing it in a way that's supportive of the person who's in the situation. Yeah, so there's all kinds of skills that could be learned there. And, and given, given that a person's willing, the skills are not that difficult to learn, really. So um, is that something that you help them with also? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. so it's not just a cancer person with cancer. It's also the, either the children or husband, spouse, mother, father. Yes, the people in support. Yes, to the extent that they want support. Yes, I support them as well. Absolutely. How long uh, does the average person uh, uh, say, you know, if, if, if a wife is uh, diagnosed with cancer and, and the husband tries to help, do, do they actually begin to accept the fact that this person has it or, 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 or are they sometimes in denial? Uh, denial happens, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> denial happens. Um, you know, I recently heard this described, um, this, this process described according to Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, um, mm -hmm. you know, which have been around for a long time. They're well proven. Of course, denial is one of those early stages that we're faced with something that we can't handle that's causing us some sort of suffering. And um, we, we, get, we can get angry about it and we can go into denial for a while, you know, that this shouldn't happen to me. You know, I, I, this, this just doesn't, you know, I'm going on without, you know, thinking about this, trying to push through. It doesn't work. It doesn't no. work. These are things that we have to allow. We have to, we, her process, of course, was around grief. So we have to allow the grief to happen. We have to allow the sadness to happen. It's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. Uh, in fact, it would be normal in a situation to do such a thing. Exactly. Right. And then once that has been acknowledged, which is the opposite of the denial, then we can work our way towards acceptance, which again, doesn't mean um, I accept that the rest of my life is shot. What it means is I accept that this is where I find myself now, this, th that this is where I am. Okay, I have had a diagnosis. It's real. Right. And now, like I've been saying, now I take that into account and take back my power and choose forward. So there is, there is, there are some parallels here that yes, denial can certainly happen in, in early stages. And, and if, if that's persisting, then we want to address that. Okay. And even like if, if the spouse is in denial that say the yes. wife has, yes. so it, yes. it, it would be a type of grieving, I would assume. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, that's ultimately where it comes from. The denial, you know, whichever spouse is, is, is in denial is, is, is grief. You know, th there's a, a sadness and a, and a confusion there most likely that they cannot, they don't want to face. They don't want to face. Um, and so they, they do all kinds of things on the surface to try to work around it, including pretending it's not there. Um, but ultimately, you know, the person who has the cancer, um, they, 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 they feel in their flesh what's happening. Mm -hmm. The spouse doesn't have that, that, that experience. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that the, the spouse is in denial, it's going to drive a wedge between them because the person who's in the situation cannot deny, uh, they, they can certainly deny some of the psychological aspects of it, but they cannot deny the physical, deny the physical, physical. reality of it. Mm -hmm. They have to deal with it. So uh, the spouse, if, if it, to the extent that spouse is in denial, this can very well drive a wedge between them. And so, yeah, we find, we find couples, you know, cancer often, well, I don't say often, but it's not uncommon that cancer is compounded by divorce because the spouses oh. grew apart in, in some way. They, they, they could not both handle this together. Cancer requires teamwork. It does. In yeah. some way, shape, or form, you know, it might be spouses, it could be friends, it could be siblings, 
whoever it is that's around you as as your 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 uh, support team it requires it takes a village that's, that's another oh. one that takes a village oh i know it takes a yeah. lot of support yes i mean i've been through through that with my my mom and a lot mm-hmm. of my my friends um yeah. and then recently my, my uncle who just he passed away from pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. um that's a tough one my condolences on your uncle yeah. yes my father passed of cancer pancreatic cancer as well yeah, yeah. that's yeah. um it's a very hard one that's a hard one as much as you want to support them and and do everything in your power uh that's um uh, i i think on all levels that's very challenging absolutely no denying that um pancreatic cancer because it is usually more often than not diagnosed very late mm-hmm. um when person is in fact usually in stage four uh, the therapies at that stage are not very effective, unfortunately. So uh, it's it's um, the chances of survival are much lower than many other kinds of cancer, and so that requires a particular kind of support. Because yes, of, of course, we'll always hold the vision that the person could make it through. There's no there's no harm in doing that. We 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 would we hold that desire, and yet the reality is darker than for many other kinds of cancer. So the question is what becomes the kind of support that's helpful in that situation? Um, Cheering, 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 you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. The person knows that that's not probable. It's not probable. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, that's one thing in a cancer that's, you know, more curable, of course, you know, nice to have a cheering section, but Mm -hmm. but when when you have a cancer that's devastating like this one, um, the proper support is most likely not, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. It looks different, and that requires some soul searching for people to to put forth some other kind of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for myself, all I was able to do is just be there for him. And you know, there were times where he would ask me um, when he was in the hospital. Um, he would call me and say, "Am am I gonna um, am I gonna be okay?" Mm. But I knew what he meant by "Am I going to be okay." because he knew he, he was already uh, dying. Yes. And so I, I had said to him, my son, Uncle Barry, actually, you're gonna be just fine. You're gonna go home and um, you'll, you will be healed and you'll see everybody, you know? You'll be with everybody again. Yes, and yes, and because I know you have a very broad view of what that means, then, mm-hmm. then there was truth in that. There was truth in that. Yes, he you know, home. It. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And if it brought it to accept him to acceptance, then that was uh, a great gift, a great gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as you mentioned, presence is and that that is the ultimate gift. Yeah. Presence, just be with, and where the person is, without trying to convince them they should be somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew what he was talking. And then the next yes. day he passed away. But mm-hmm. I I knew what he was. Uh, his uh, his wording to me I yes. knew exactly why you know yes. he asked me that and so yes. it, it actually helped me feel better mm-hmm. you know to an extent I mean it's still a loss um and I I think he you know at, at the end he said to me you know I I love you and thank you for that mm-hmm. so beautiful I, just beautiful yeah. yes. so I knew we we were good Yes. Yeah, so yes, exactly. You joined him where he was mm-hmm. without being unrealistic mm-hmm. and, and, and you brought him comfort that there's nothing better than that. Who wouldn't want, to, you know, if it turns out to be our last moments, then, then who wouldn't want to be 
in, yeah. with, with somebody who loves them and feeling comfortable. And feeling comfortable. Yes. yes. Yeah. And that was, imp- and I think he also felt safe at that point. Yes. Yes. And, and think about it. Safety at the moment, or, you know, the moments before dying, that's something we don't usually associate those two things, right? No, we don't. No, no. but, but in terms of the spiritual and emotional aspect of it, a lot of safety can be created. And, 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 you know, I celebrate you for, for creating that for your uncle. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I did that for my mom also. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was one that never wanted me to do healing on her, even though mm-hmm. her mother was the healer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the night before she passed away, she asked me to do healing. Oh, and when I sat with her, you know, I said to her, you know, we can't, ha- you know, oh, help you in any way with the situation. But all I can, you know, help you with is to feel, again, safe and calm mm-hmm. and peaceful and know that everything will be just fine. Mm-hmm. And then again, yes. you know, what thought she passed the next day. Yes. So sometimes it's just the words, you know, not the, you know, oh my God, you're dying, you know, because some people get that so emotional and I can understand that mm-hmm. with the crying and everything else. Yes. But I, I feel then it makes it worse for that person, you know, laying in that bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You know, they, they uh, are, yeah, they're not in a place where they should have to, take the responsibility or even be um, bothered, I don't know, by by the emotions, by high emotions of everybody else around them. Everybody else around them. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, if a person, if, if for anybody who's going to visit a person who's in those last stages, and if they feel their emotions high, um, you know, sometimes just sitting and breathing and being in silence with a person is plenty. That is presence. And you don't have to talk a lot. You don't. Exactly. Or, you know, if the person is talking mm-hmm. to you, then just respond to them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let them take the lead, in other words. But we don't have to force ourselves into these uncomfortable situations, which make our own emotional turmoil worse. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Yeah. And I, and I, I for one, truly understand that because mm-hmm. of, the, of my own personal experiences. Yes. Yes. So. Now, you know, the, the type of work that you do, uh, well, the more I commend you for it, it's, it's challenging being with cancer, mm-hmm. you know, survivors, because yes. uh, we want them to heal so, so much, and we want mm-hmm. them to heal on all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, are most of um, the survivors successful at actually getting past, you know, um, their emotions with this? The, the detrimental emotions? Uh, they, they, yeah, very, yes, yes, I would say yes. The, the most of them are are very successful at making good progress with this. Um, and my my goal actually is to sort of hold their hand until they don't need it anymore. So you know they kind of graduate beyond, which is great. That's that's where we want them to be. So it's a it's a matter of having the support and the structure that they need um, in order to learn skills that they need mm-hmm. to be able to get back in charge. And and very often you'll find people yes, breathing easier. And um, then that's because their, their life looks, they're more at peace with their life. You know, there's, they're struggling against aspects of their life anymore. They, they've learned to transform things so that they move easily within their own lives and within the circles of people that they serve, you know, that they have associate with. Yes. So uh, when someone is say diagnosed with cancer, uh, is it better for them to see you right away or during their treatment or. 
I'm here for them whenever they need. Mm-hmm. I have I have worked people during cancer treatment, um, which is a certain kind of fear. Sometimes it's um, about their about coping with life. You know, life can be very challenging with a lot of symptoms, with a lot of you know reactions to treatment, for example. Um, so sometimes it's about getting through that, and then once that is once they're past that, they're not feeling like the immediate like nausea and other things that can come with chemo, then they then when they move beyond treatment, then there's another set of issues and I help them there as well. So it can be anywhere on the journey. It's very interesting. You know, I've had people come to me many years after their cancer treatment wow. and, and still be floundering. And so it, there, there's really no time limit for when what I offer is, it doesn't expire. It, it, it's appropriate at any, any stage of the journey to the extent that it's needed. Now, do you sometimes help them with nutrition or? Um... I, I have helped people with nutrition in the past. That would be the holistic medical skills. Um, and people enjoy that about me, that in addition to the emotional work that we do, you know, should they have questions about those physical aspects of how to take care of themselves, I can help answer those or at the very least bring them lots and lots of resources. There's more and more resources about that available, um, about good nutrition available. So um, I, I can help with that. And you know, often people can do a lot of that on their own, given some references, some, some good websites or, or good recipe books even. And there's some good ones out there. Right, yeah, because I know yeah. nutrition plays a big part in some of it. Sure. In all of it, in, in, in life in yeah, general, if you ask me. Well, yeah, actually it does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we yeah. need to take care of ourselves. So. We, well, if we want to live a healthy and good life, you know, fully functional or as functional as we can be, yes, nutrition is going to play a huge role there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say, um, you know, this is the only body or temple that we live in. So you need yes. to take care of it because there's no refund or exchange. <laughs> <laughs> That's you right. can't get a refund <laughs> and you can't exchange it for anything else. That's right. Good way to put it, Barbara, I like that. Yeah. I mean, even for myself, you know, yeah. years ago when I was um, uh, working at a corporate and then decided mm-hmm. <laughs> enough was enough and mm-hmm. went into my, the healing aspect yes. and hypnotherapy full time. Uh, yeah. I realized for myself, this is I, my only body. I need mm-hmm. to truly take care of me. Otherwise, who else is going to? Yeah, well, I mean, to a certain extent, we take care of each other, but you know, ultimately, it comes down to personal responsibility. Absolutely, mm-hmm. um, yes. And if we, again, if we want to fully engage in life, then we need the physical capacity to do so. Um, and you know, I, I, I see people around me uh, already with, you know, I, I can't walk very far because of my, you know, feet, and I, I, I've got a hip that's deteriorating. And you know, thank God for hip replacements and things that give people their lives back. I mean, that's, yes. you know, I'm, I'm all in favor of people need it, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the stage of deterioration that people get to before that is, is painful to, it's painful for them. And it's painful to watch. Yeah. And of course, they can't do a lot of the things that they would have loved to do. You know, to to travel places, you know, I'm a dancer, you know, I, I, life without dancing would be hard for me. (laughs) Um, You know, so the people that I dance with, you know, if if your body's not letting you dance, this is a a big difference in the quality of life, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing, whatever it is a person wants to do. It's, it's nice to be able to say, I can still do just about anything I want to. And so I support people in that. Exactly. I know every morning when I get out of bed in the morning, I'm very grateful my eyes open. So yes. <laughs> I know I have another day. Yes. But, um, yeah. yeah, I'm just grateful for the fact that I can get myself out of bed and mm-hmm. 
of course, you know, you know, have a house over my, you know, roof over my head yes, and yes. clothes and everything else. But yes. yeah, and I and the first thing I I I tell myself is, I am healthy. I am healthy. I am healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that I I want to begin my day with you know like a positive mantra. You could say yes. You know, um, yes. And, and I'm. I'm, and also I say, I am grateful and I am mm-hmm. appreciative and things such as that, yes. but that truly helps. I feel when we um, can, can move through with gratitude. Yes. Gratitude is a huge skill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before we were talking about positive, well, you know, like not everything is positive, but there's more positive in our lives than not usually, even if something very difficult is going on. And so I, one of the things I work with people on is recognizing what is positive, what is working in their lives and to give great gratitude for it because that focuses us on what is good about life, even if we're still dealing with something very difficult. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll even say things like, you know, okay, yes, such and such body part is struggling right now with the cancer and you're doing everything you can to take care of that, but let's look at what's working. Mm-hmm. You know, are your eyes working? Is your heart working? Are your hands working? You know, think what life would be like if these things did not work. Right. They are, they're working. We're not even thinking about it, but they're working all the time. And so let's give gratitude for what is working. What is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And that goes from physical body parts to any aspect of life. Yes. Gratitude is an enormously powerful practice. I know I tell when, you know, when I, I teach energy healing and I always mm-hmm. tell people, look at your hands mm-hmm. and, and I, I ask them, what do your hands do for you? And mm-hmm. actually our hands do everything for us from cooking to <laughs> yes. cleaning, to washing ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, yes. they can do it, yes. but then they realize, wow, I've taken that for granted. Yes. Just what my hands do. Or mm-hmm. I, I take the for granted the fact that I can just take a deep breath in. Yes. And yeah, it's these, it's these little big things, you could say, that yes. are so important. Yes. Yes. And, and, and life um, feels more comfortable and happier when we realize all those things that are working on our behalf. I know because yeah. you know I had a hip replacement I had a boating mm-hmm. accident many years ago and unfortunately it, it caused the situation where then I needed to get a hip replacement um, and it was a struggle you know the mm-hmm. the uh, going and get, repairing it and uh, I need, needed a total hip replacement mm-hmm. and um, but then afterwards um I really appreciated more than ever the fact that I was able to walk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny how we take things for granted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Life brings us some, some, you know, the proverbial wake up calls, doesn't it? In one sure way or does. another. And cancer, of course, is one of them. Yeah. Cancer is a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people want, once they're through the, the initial um, struggle with treatment, very often they'll look back and say, you know, I really woke up, cancer really woke me up and realized, you know, what life was all about, how precious life is, how precious every day is. Um, and that will motivate them then to live life in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and a delayed it, gift, uh, you know, gift is also a fraught word with cancer survivors. We're not going to say cancer is a gift, but no. some of the lessons that we can learn after cancer are gifts. Oh yeah. It actually sometimes for some people it becomes a new beginning. Yes. You're able to see things in a different way. Like, like what you just said. Yeah, you know, you know, it was a very interesting example in this regard. It was my father. So my my father, yes, he he did pass away from pancreatic cancer. He was eighty at the time, but he had had a prior experience 
that made that, that that instilled this lesson in him. And when he was 52, he was hit by a car as a pedestrian. Oh, a very serious accident uh, nearly killed him. Um, but he fortunately recovered and then lived these additional 28 years. And he 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 lived life knowing it was precious. Mm-hmm. knowing it was precious understanding that every day like you said when you wake up and you function wow that's that, what a gift that is and so I had him as a role model as an, as an adult I, I I realized you know that he, he really is not taking anything for granted um, and so I learned sort of vicariously through him that yeah everything counts everything counts every every way we spend our time every every encounter that we have with the human beings these all count mm-hmm. these all count there's no throwaways in life no, and I always say, don't waste that moment because mm-hmm. once that moment leaves you, you cannot get that moment back. True, very true. And so it's so important to cherish what we do have, no yes. matter what, what it is, big or small. It, it, yes, yes. And so here's, you know, so my father ultimately did pass away of cancer, but after having lived a big chunk of his life in full gratitude and appreciation, and, you know, when we think about it, when people are afraid of dying, mm-hmm. ultimately, it's usually about regrets for the way they're living. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the extent that we can become conscious of how we're living and, and then make any changes that we wish to make, then we, have, we simply have a lot less regrets. I, I, I believe my father died basically without regrets. And, and that's about the most blessed way a person can leave this earth, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're, there's no doubt in my mind, yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and actually, even for myself, I say to myself, it, it's time to let go of all that that doesn't serve me purpose, you know, mm-hmm. including any regrets or forgiveness or, or anything. You have to let it go so that yeah, I, it, I, I can live differently and, and more appreciative and grateful. Yes, and, and when we let go, we make space for what's more important to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, you know, it, sometimes it's it, it's a little struggling to let go. But if we if we keep in mind what can happen after that, that this space could be occupied by something that really does lift us up, something really does nourish us, then it makes the letting go easier and and the way forward brighter. It sure does. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> well, where can my listeners? find you and, 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 you know, contact you. They, they can find me online at www.drshanifox.com, D-R-S-H-A-N-I-F-O-X.com. Um, okay. They can contact me there. I, I answer all inquiries personally. Uh, and then there's uh, some of my writings there. Uh, women who uh, are survivors of cancer can join my Facebook group, Women Rising Beyond Cancer, if they choose. So it, that's a great way to get in touch with me. And I welcome uh, questions and happy to talk to anybody who approaches me okay well all that information will be uh on spotify apple youtube you name it it'll be there so that anyone that needs you and and i do have some clients that i uh may actually uh one in particular refer to you so uh because she's uh having a little bit of a struggle i'll be honest Um, with them yeah that's why i also ask you where you were living so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, although but, although my practice is virtual, my practice I work right. with people all over the country in Canada. Okay, uh, in my practice even before Zoom was virtual, so I've I've been doing that since 2018, and and so people can reach me from anywhere. From any anywhere. So Zoom. just repeat your your website again. DrShaniFox.com. Okay, well I, I cannot thank you enough for being a guest today, and um, 
Thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, I, for one, truly appreciate it because I know how difficult it is for, you know, cancer survivors and spouses and relationships and everything else. So I, I truly thank you with all my heart. I, I, I'm honored to do this work, Barbara. You know, it's very interesting. People will hear that I work with cancer patients and survivors and they say, isn't that depressing? And I say, couldn't be farther from the truth. I, it's actually inspiring. It's inspiring to, to see the wisdom and strength and resilience within people. So um, I'm honored to do the work that I do, and I'm honored to be here today with you, Barbara. Well, thank you so much. And um, I want to thank everybody today for listening. And uh, again, a big thank you to Dr. Shani Fox. And I hope that you heard what you needed to hear. Um, again, thank you for listening. And visit me at my website, motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this uh, uh, channel, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I have amazing guests on here, including Dr. Fox. And um, I also have another YouTube channel, just my name, Barbara Saban. And there I have some uh, meditations uh, for sleep, relaxation, grounding, and getting in touch with your angels and all things that you may find interesting. Uh, and for those of you that are uh, maybe interested in learning energy healing, you could check out my book, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing on Amazon. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Fox, for being here today. And uh, thank you for listening and have a wonderful you know, week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara. You are listening to The Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Savin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. You know, I am a certified and clinical medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires, because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring my guest on right now. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well and happy to be here, Barbara. Oh, well, I'm so honored to have you come. Uh, let me uh, tell my listeners about you. This is Dr. Shani Fox. 
And uh, she has stepped up over and over again to help cancer survivors through their greatest challenges, including taming their fears of recurrence, repairing devastated relationships, and making the most of the life that they survived for. You know, bringing her unique expertise as both a holistic physician and certified life mastery coach, she has impacted countless survivors with her life-changing workshops and warm personal presence. Dr. Shani is the author of the Cancer Survivor's Fear First Aid Kit and is a popular speaker and podcast guest for survivor communities. And her posts and articles have been published in the Huntington Post, Breast Cancer Wellness Magazines, and the peer-reviewed Natural Medicine Journal. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? <laughs> very, very well, thank you. Wow, so how long have you been a, a naturopathic uh, physician? And, and how did that all uh, start for you? Well, that was a, a big change to becoming a naturopathic physician because I worked in the area of uh, financial operations before that. Oh. I, I, I was an accountant working in financial operations. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a, you know, it was a midlife uh, change. I, I simply arrived at a day when I realized that I needed to decide what I wanted to do when I grew up <laughs> in my <laughs> 40s. <laughs> Up, and, up until that point, I had made decisions from a very, very practical standpoint. And so I, I went to accounting and it was very good to me from a practical standpoint. I raised my kids and, and, and sent them to college and, and all, all was good from that point of view. But once they were out of the house, I began to look at my life and say, you know, I'm working essentially with paper and money here. And even though I'm doing well, um, I really want to get back to people. And it was just a question of what that would look like. So that... It, it, I had actually wanted from an early age to be a doctor, and I'd given that idea up uh, for reasons that at that point no longer made sense. And so I decided, well, this is my chance. I, and that's what I did. I, I, I picked up and, and did some prerequisites while I was working full time and, and found my way to naturopathic medical school here in Portland, Oregon. Wow, that's what I've, uh, that's the direction I've taken ever since. That's it. And now uh, I, I know that you um, helped people that are diagnosed with cancer. Yes. What made you go into that field? As I came out of school and uh, began <laughs> to practice, cancer patients and survivors simply found their way to me. Mm. It's partly because natural medicine has a lot to offer. You know, the, the, the conventional care system is very, very focused on medical treatment, uh, which they need to do, of course. And what's overlooked though in that equation is recovery. And then what happens from there on? Um, recovery is a major deal after cancer treatment, after cancer itself. Um, people need support very often, both physically and emotionally at that time. And so I noticed that gap. I noticed that, you know, I, I, and, and based on my medical training, I was supporting people's bodies. Their bodies would get well. Everybody would look at them and say, you look terrific, which they did. Um, and they could not believe that they were well. Mm. Their, their their mindset was out of sync with where they actually were physically. So I, and I, I saw this often enough to realize that this is a significant issue, that something is going on in the mental sphere that is preventing people from believing that they're well now, that they're going to remain well, um, and therefore from living their lives because they always feel like there's another shoe about to drop. 
Well, that's it. Do you feel that they really need to think positive and, and clear out those thoughts of the cancer? Um, the brief answer to that, Barbara, is no. <laughs> oh, okay. And yes. Uh, uh, so it's not so much about positivity. Again, I, you know, I, I, I say to people, if you're having a great day, if things look positive, we'll go with it. Of course, enjoy it. Um, you know, let's live into positive as much as we can. But the fact of the matter is that life during and beyond cancer is not always positive. Um, people coming out of treatment are often um, frequently fatigued, frequently not feeling well. They often have a lot of residual symptoms. And then you have all the mental and emotional issues that I alluded to earlier. So sometimes life sucks during and beyond cancer, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And, and we never want to be, uh, we wanna, never want to be in denial that there are days like that. So my key word is, as opposed to positive, is authentic. Let's look at what's authentic for you on any given day. Um, if things are really not great, let's say so. Let's simply acknowledge the feeling. Now, we don't want to get stuck there. <laughs> That's for right, sure. You right. know, we, 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 but we never want to deny that this can happen. And so that, that's my sort of North Star as I work with people is let's find what's authentic for you. And to the extent that there are issues, to the extent that you are not enjoying your life um, fully, as fully as you could, let's identify the issues, work our way forward from there. And of course, I give people all kinds of tools that they can then get back in charge and, and create the kind of life uh, that they'd like to have, including an emotional tone, which is nourishing for them. Do you also help uh, like uh, their spouses or loved ones? Because I know they go through a lot with them. They do indeed. They do indeed. And, and, and of course, there's nothing really in our, uh, the way we're raised or the way we're socialized that helps us deal with that. Uh, you know, people often even don't even know what to say to a person who's been through cancer. Mm -hmm. Starts with that, not to mention what to do, how to fit in. Um, there's a lot of uh, disconnects, therefore, you know, even people who mean well, for sure. Um, but for example, I have, I, I don't know how many times I've heard cancer survivors say that when I finished treatment, everybody thought I was done. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and they, you know, now go live your life. Well, that's a lot easier said than done. First of all, they are not done. They know that very well. No, mm -hmm. no. There's so many ramifications uh, uh, from having had cancer and having been through cancer treatment. It needs to be acknowledged and dealt with. And, and people simply don't realize, and they're trying to be positive, you know, and say, well, you know, let's just get back to normal and things. It, it takes a while to recalibrate. And by the way, even normal is, is not an easy word to define once you've had cancer that, you know, life looks different. You are a different person after cancer. Well, that's it. So I, I, I would assume then the issues that they face as they come out of, you know, their treatments are, are probably extremely challenging you know, for most yeah. of them. Yes, yes, they are. Yes, they are. You know, let's think about it. I mean, not only a person, so actually to me, this actually goes back to diagnosis. You know, cancer diagnosis more often than not happens as a surprise. People sometimes have symptoms, but not always. And, or, or the symptoms that they had, let's say they, they noticed their energy had been getting lower and lower for a year, but nobody really goes and says, oh, that might be cancer. It's not always cancer, but, I, but you right. know, sometimes that's the only sign that a person has had that something is not quite right. And so the, the diagnosis itself comes as a bit of a shock, not a bit of, sorry, that was a figure of speech. It comes as a shock. And um, then the system more often than not then funnels them straight into treatment without any time to even digest what just happened. Yeah. So there's a, a sort of a, 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 there's a shock that happens right at the beginning of the process, which does not get processed right away. Mm -hmm. People go in, yes, they need to do their treatment. I'm not 
um, you know, I don't mean to interfere with any of that, but, but emotionally, this is very difficult. So it gets stuffed for a while as people simply bring to the table what the strength and the resilience they need just to get through this thing. And it's still hanging out when people come out of treatment, that shock. They have not dealt with it. So they've got that accumulated plus the new challenges of this life that lies before them. Mm -hmm. which is all kinds of things. I and mean, let's think about it. At that point, some people, you know, if you've had surgery, you may be missing body parts. Sometimes it's body image, you know, if it's a part that, that is visible to the outside world, someone has this body image issues. Um, there's another consequence that is often not recognized. So this system that we have that funnels people straight into treatment right away, very structured, you know exactly where to show up and who's going to be there, et cetera. And then when they, people get out of it, the structure is gone. The support is gone. Right. That they've had for weeks and sometimes months. So they're not only are things very different in the world, but they, they don't know who to turn to because the oncology team is on to the next patient. Mm -hmm. They're back into treatment again with the next person. So beyond treatment, the world is very, very challenging, very murky, very confusing, very overwhelming sometimes. So their emotions really play havoc on them I would have went during them hearing that they have this yes. then during the the whole you know chemo or whatever treatment that they go to then they come home and they still uh, don't understand I would have, I think you know everything that that has happened to them indeed yes yeah. so they, there's there's a lot of processing that has to happen what's happened up till now and then of course what's going to happen from here on out so in actuality, there isn't much, you could say, support for these, these people, you know. That's certainly been the case up until now. Now, you know, there, there is uh, an increasing body of research that's demonstrating these issues, that these issues exist. Um, the biggest of which, or at least the most, I would say the most common of which is fear. Um, you know, people sort of just push through what they need to during treatment and then they come out and it's like <gasps> what do I need to do to keep that from happening again yeah um and you know they could be in great shape physically doing very well physically but this fear can overwhelm them and it's demonstrated by research this has no connection whatsoever to the severity or the extent of the cancer that they had oh. so I mean you know person if a person has stage four they may very well experience this or not but they may have had a very very uh, early stage, let's say breast cancer, you know, the most, one of the most common cancers, the very early stage breast cancer is very often curable, you know, these days, thank heavens, right? Mm -hmm. Treatments have gotten better and better. And yet that person may be no less fearful than the person who was diagnosed with a stage four. So there's really no correlation. This fear actually per research affects 70% of cancer wow. survivors on a persistent basis. The vast majority of them are struggling with this on, at, at one level or another. Well, I would assume someone that is diagnosed with stage four knows that this could be the end of their life. Well, any cancer brings up these fears of end of life. That, that, that's, of course, what's behind the fear ultimately. And, you know, even if a person has the best possible outcome, that they're doing well, the fear still could exist because they have faced the possibility of their mortality in the near future. Now, do you think energetically the fear... Uh, could stop them from healing? I know that's a far-off uh, it, it, It's absolutely, well, I mean, it, it's hard to draw, you know, we can't prove this, but it, it, it absolutely could be a contributor. Fear, of course, is a biologically wired emotion. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're wired to feel fear for good reasons 
in certain circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to get out of the way of traffic, right? <laughs> you know, but but fear can be kicked in, as you know, you're an energy healer, of course, you know, but for our, our, our listeners' sake, fear can be kicked in by even our imaginations. So something which does not exist as a real threat to us in the world, our imagination can kick it in. That, that's the brilliance and the, a challenge for human beings is that we have these great imaginations. We can picture all kinds of things that can be created, but fear is one of them. Um, and so, so yes, people can, can create a fear for themselves, which has then hormonal consequences mm -hmm. and neurotransmitter consequences. So we, we create a biological state within our body if we're fearful that is not healthy for us. Um, not just cancer-wise, but in terms of any kind of chronic disease, fear fear contributes biologically to it. If we live in it, we live um, in it more often than not. Yes. So even for biological reasons, we would want people to, and 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 health reasons, physical health reasons, we would want people to learn to manage their fear. So do you feel you feel that then uh, maybe some of them may need uh, some mental health help? Well, in, in some way, shape, or form, yes. And when we say mental health help, you know, that often means going to a therapist. And I bless all the therapists. They do enormous work in the world. Um, and at the same time, <clears throat> therapy is under the same model as our medical model. It's looking for diagnoses. And it, for very reasons that, well, for lots of reasons, once we have a diagnosis, then there's often a treatment for diagnosis. Um, so what happens is people will be diagnosed with anxiety or depression, which by the way, may very well be present. Mm -hmm. If a person is in fear all the time, they're going to be, you know, look like a person with anxiety, of course. Mm -hmm. So, so that it's not that that's an improper diagnosis. The problem is what do we do about it. And medication, which is often a direction that the mental health world will go, it may help take the edge off things. And I have no problem with it as a short-term tool mm -hmm. to help people who are not functioning otherwise mm -hmm. uh, to take, for example, anti-anxiety medication. But as I often say, there is not a pill in the world that can cure fear. Right, I know. So it's not going to the root of the problem. So what needs to happen is we need to get at the root of why I mean, we know the, the external circumstance which triggered this fear, sure. Right. Well, of course. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, given that that's something that we, we, we can influence how healthy we are, but we can't ultimately control cancer. I mean, even very healthy people mm -hmm. get cancer. Uh, so it's not fair that way. Um, so, it, it, and there's something uncontrollable about it. So what we have to do is go to the person's uh, spirit and, and psychological makeup and look at why they are so subject to fear. Why, why fear is allowed to run rampant in their lives uh, because fear is, we, we can't get rid of it given that it's biological, but we can manage it. Mm -hmm. We can learn to get back in charge when it shows up. And so that's the gist of the work that I do. Ah, wow, that's powerful. Yeah. Because fear is a tough one. Uh, you know, a very tough yeah, one. fear, uh, forgiveness, acceptance, you know, yes. all that is, uh, um, it actually sometimes holds people back from, from truly healing. Yes, I, I get, agree with you. Right. They can't get past it. You yes. Know, especially forgiveness. Uh, you know, I had a, one of my two friends, this is, they, they both passed away. Um, they both had the same type of breast cancer. Um, mm -hmm. One um, said she would never forgive her father mm -hmm. and she will die, you know, with, with, 
you know, this hatred in her heart. The other one also had the same type of um, upbringing and dad, but she found it in her heart to forgive him. And I mean, evidently it was their both journeys. One passed away just a few months later and the other one lived 30 more years. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's not at all impossible that mm-hmm. things like this affect our healing journey. Not at all impossible. Yeah, forgiveness is huge. Um, and what people often don't recognize, people who have been dealing with forgiveness issues, which by the way, is at some point in life as most of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, People dealing with forgiveness issues very often don't realize that forgiveness is not saying what the other person did is okay, mm-hmm. or I accept what the other person did. Forgiveness actually has nothing to do with that. If, if they did something egregious, then it was egregious. It was If it was evil, it was evil. Uh, or at least <laughs> this is the way I've come to, to think mm-hmm. about it, but I see that it makes sense and it makes sense for my, the people that I work with. Um, it's not about the other person. Forgiveness is about learning, as you know, to release our own energy out of the situation. Exactly. To say, I will no longer invest any more of my own energy or emotions in that person right. who offended me in some way. And so it's really, ultimately, the benefits of forgiveness are not about the other person. They're, they're for us. They're for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's when we can simply be at peace. Yes, that happened, but that does not have to color my life. I will not allow it, in fact, to color my life. I will choose the 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 emotional tone of my life and, and the way I want to live and not let that rain cloud hang over me for the rest of my life. Yeah, because that really, uh, it, it keeps us living in the past and not exactly. in, in the moment, I want to say. Exactly. Or, or, or allow us to even really create the future that we want yeah it, exactly yes. so now you know yes. uh, you, you help cancer patients all the time H- how do you actually help them um lift themselves out of the struggle mode that they're going through so i am a holistic physician and then later uh, after i was a physician i i went back and certified as a life coach um because i found that the tools of life coaching were very useful for these situations that I was seeing in my, in my patients, um, coaching being very present and future oriented, mm-hmm. um, whereas therapy, again, God bless the therapist, but a lot, a lot of the model of therapy is about the past. Yes. Um, the past, you know, we, we only talk about it to the extent that we just need to get to know somebody, what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But then the real question is what are you going to do about it now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have compassion for the suffering of the past, but we cannot stay there. We have to decide now what choices we're going to make about it in order to determine the kind of future we're going to have. So that that's the uh, world, the arena in which I'm able to, to work with people um, is, is using life coaching techniques, but really the way it's oriented in terms of cancer survival, the, the life coaching works for a lot of different uh, issues in life right. uh, for a lot of different populations, but in terms of cancer survivors um, and, and even current cancer patients, the crux of the coaching is about helping people recognize okay. the power that's within them. You know, I'm, I'm sure you do work that's parallel to this using your own modality. Think about it. What does it take to get through cancer? Wow. A lot of strength, a lot of wisdom, a lot of resilience. Yes. And people find these resources within themselves sometimes during a cancer journey. They never even knew they had that kind of strength. And so what we do, what I do with them is help them recognize 
these resources that they've already got, that they've actually been using, albeit under those particularly difficult circumstances. And now we get to use those same resources. We get to leverage them when you don't actually have cancer hanging over your head. Let's bring that to your life. Mm -hmm. and, and, and with your own power, take your power to choose how you want life to be for yourself. And that's so important. And yeah. people don't, I, some of them really do not understand that true power that is within them. Yes, yes. Yes. And life, uh, I'm sure you have a story like this too, that, you know, you, you must have at some point recognized that you've got the power to choose. We cannot control all the circumstances that happen no. to us. Mm -hmm. And some of them are very difficult and tragic. Um, but we always have a choice of how we respond. And this is paramount in life after cancer, you know, for helping people get back to the life that really feels good to them under their new circumstances. And do you feel uh, that uh, not just for cancer survivors, but it, it's actually good for majority of everyone? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is a key to living a good life, no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that, you know, cancer survivors have a particular set of circumstances that not all of us deal with. So it's, it's important to understand their particular, the, the particular issues, but uh, in terms of my, my own career. But, I, you know, I, I, I feel like this is what I did when I changed careers. Um, you know, not everybody in their 40s is willing to lay down a career, which whether or not it was ultimately satisfying, it was nevertheless, you know, well-paying and, you know, great benefits and all those sorts of things. You know, pe people are often very unwilling to lay that down if their soul isn't happy with it and then try for something new, go, go for something new. Um, you know, just one example, you know, people, of course, being divorced all the time. Um, people who take up their power after divorce look their lives look very different from the ones who remain victims to the suffering of the divorce etc 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 you know with all of life's issues that could throw at us oh it's so it's, it's very important to not remain a victim yes yes so yes. important mm -hmm. because there's always tomorrow and and yes. and don't be a victim of what has happened to you in the past yes. because then you stay in that energy and i feel it's challenging then to move well besides moving forward but actually to heal yes you know, we may not heal from the physical illness but uh, hopefully we understand you know on a uh maybe emotional and mental spiritual level why maybe something has happened to us uh yeah although why may never get answered why is a tricky question um, yeah. sometimes, sometimes, you know, we can, we can get insights about that. And that's fine, of course, if we do, but, um, the, the greater question is, or the way I put it to people and myself sometimes is, okay, this has happened to me now. What do I do? What do you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I'd rather come to acceptance though. The why may or may not ever become clear, mm -hmm. but you know, any insights we have around that we can use to help us make our choice. Oh, I realize, you know, you mentioned forgiveness before. If I recognize that my life has been marred by a failure to forgive up until now, mm -hmm. I have the choice as to what to do about that. And you illustrated that some people do and some people don't. You know, it's always, everybody's an individual and they get to choose, but but knowing I have the power and, and recognizing, oh, this is an area of my life where, you know, I really haven't been happy around this. So this is, a good place to invest some energy to see if I can transform this. So I have peace around that and, and get to use the energy that I was holding on to and the, you know, something in the past with, I can use that to, to enhance my new life. 
Exactly. So do you feel that that helps them actually to heal on, on a certain level? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, who, who wouldn't heal if they have more peace in their life, more love in their life, mm-hmm. which, you know, is also something that I help people with, you know, you, you mentioned in my introduction, you know, people's relationships can be devastated by cancer. Yes. You know, we all know somebody who's had cancer and they'll say, oh, some people showed up above and beyond. And I couldn't believe it, which is of course, wonderful. And the same people can often say, ah, but somebody that I expected to show up didn't all of a sudden went missing in action and you know they don't know what to do with that the other person doesn't know what to do with that actually that's part of the reason they didn't show up but that's probably it yeah yeah so we can have compassion all around i mean generally you know most often this is not done willfully but people are all of us to some degree we're not taught so we're unskillful in these things and sometimes we can't handle it therefore so you know learning how to repair those situations if if the person wants to repair them i mean not everything is worth salvaging but but if it's worth salvaging um then then rebuilding that relationship from that broken place you know these are all things that contribute to healing that do you, do you find that uh whether it's a female or male that that say is diagnosed with cancer the spouse uh, is like completely lost and doesn't know what to do? Well, hopefully it's not a completely lost situation. I mean, if, if they are spouses and they have some, you know, they feel some, some, um, it, you know, care, they, they, they want to care for the other person. They want to be of support to the other person. So very often the will is there. It's simply the skills needed to go from the, the, the will to do it, to doing it in a way that's supportive of the person who's in the situation. Yeah, so there's all kinds of skills that can be learned there. And and given given that a person's willing, the skills are not that difficult to learn, really. So um, is that something that you help them with also? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. so it's not just a cancer person with cancer. It's also the either the children or husband, spouse, mother, father. Yes, the people in support. Yes, to the extent that they want support. Yes, I support them as well. Absolutely. How long uh, does the average person... Uh, uh, say, you know, if, if, if a wife is uh, diagnosed with cancer and, and the husband tries to help, do, do they actually begin to accept the fact that this person has it or, 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 or are they sometimes in denial? Uh, uh, denial happens, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> denial happens. Um, you know, I recently heard this described, um, this, this process described according to Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, which have been around for a long time. They're well proven. Of course, denial is one of those early stages that we're faced with something that we can't handle that's causing us some sort of suffering. And um, we we get, we can get angry about it and we can go into denial for a while, you know, that this shouldn't happen to me. You know, I, I, this this just doesn't, you know, I'm I'm going on without, you know, thinking about this, trying to push through, it doesn't work. It doesn't no. work. These are the things that we have to allow. We have to, we, her process of course was around grief. So we have to allow the grief to happen. We have to allow the sadness to happen. It's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. Uh, in fact, it would be normal in the situation to do such a thing. Exactly. Right. And then once that has been acknowledged, which is the opposite of the denial, then we can work our way towards acceptance, which again, doesn't mean um, I accept that the rest of my life is shot. What it means is I accept that this is where I find myself now. This, that th- this is where I am. Okay. I have had a diagnosis. It's real. Right. And now, like I've been saying n- now 
I take that into account and take back my power and choose forward. So there is there is there are some parallels here that mm-hmm. yes, denial can certainly happen in in early stages, and and if if that's persisting, then we want to address that. Okay, and even like if if the spouse is in denial, that say the yes. wife has, yeah. so it, yes, it, it would be a type of grieving, I would assume. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, that's ultimately where it comes from. The denial, you know, whichever spouse is is, is in denial is 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 grief. You know, there's a, a sadness and a and a confusion there, most likely that they cannot, they don't want to face, they don't want to face, um, and so they they do all kinds of things on the surface to try to work around it, including pretending it's not there. Um, but ultimately, you know, the person who has the cancer, um, they, 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 they feel in their flesh what's happening. Mm-hmm. The spouse doesn't have that, that, that experience. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that the, the spouse is in denial, it's going to drive a wedge between them because the person who's in the situation cannot deny, uh, they, they can certainly deny some of the psychological aspects of it, but they cannot deny the physical, deny the physical reality of it. Mm-hmm. They have to deal with it. So uh, the spouse, if, if it, the extent that spouse is in denial, this can very well drive a wedge between them. And so, yeah, we find, we find couples, you know, cancer often, well, I don't say often, but it's not uncommon that cancer is compounded by divorce because the spouses oh. grew apart in, in some way. They, they, they could not both handle this together. Cancer requires teamwork. It does. In yes. some way, shape, or form, you know, it might be spouses, it could be friends, it could be siblings, whoever it is that's around you as as your 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 uh, support team. It requires it takes a village. It's, it's another oh. one that takes a village. Oh, I know it takes a yeah. lot of support. Yes, I mean I've been through through that with my my mom and a lot mm-hmm. of my my friends. Um, yeah. And then recently, my, my uncle who just he passed away from pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough one. My condolences on your uncle. Yes, yeah. my father passed of cancer, pancreatic cancer as well. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Um, it's a very hard one. That's a hard one. As much as you want to support them and and do everything in your power, uh, that's um, uh, I, I think on all levels that's very challenging. Absolutely, no denying that. Um, pancreatic cancer, because it is usually more often than not diagnosed very late. Mm-hmm. Um, when person is in fact usually in stage four, uh, the therapies at that stage are not very effective, unfortunately. So uh, it's it's um, the chances of survival are much lower than many other kinds of cancer, and so that requires a particular kind of support. Because yes, of, of course, we'll always hold the vision that the person could make it through. There's no there's no harm in doing that. We we. We, would, we hold that desire, and yet the reality is darker yeah. than for many other kinds of cancer. So the mm-hmm. question is, what becomes the kind of support that's helpful in that situation? Um, cheering, 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 you're going to make it, you're going to make it. The person knows that that's it, not probable. It's not probable. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, that's one thing in a cancer that's, you know, more curable, of course, you know, nice to have a cheering section. But, mm-hmm. but when, when you have a cancer that's devastating like this one, Um, the proper support is most likely not, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. It looks different. And that requires some soul searching for people to, to put forth some other kind of support. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for myself, all I was able to do is just be there for him. And, you know, there were times where he would ask me, um, when he was in the hospital, um, he would call me and say, Mm -hmm. am am I going to, um, 
am I going to be okay? Mm. But I knew what he meant by, am I going to be okay? Because he knew he, he was already uh, dying. Yes. And so I, I had said to him, my uncle Barry, actually, you're going to be just fine. You're going to go home and um, you'll, you will be healed and you'll see everybody, you know, you'll be with everybody again. Yes. And yes. And because I know you have a very broad view of what that means, then, mm-hmm. then there was truth in that. There was truth in that. Yes. You know, home. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And if it brought it to accept him to acceptance, then that was uh, a great gift. A great gift. Yeah. yeah and, and, and as you mentioned, presence is and that that is the ultimate gift. Yeah. Presence. Just be with and where the person is without trying to convince them they should be somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew what he was talking. And then the next yes. day he passed away. But mm-hmm. I, I knew what he was, uh, his, uh, his wording to me. I yes. knew exactly why, you know, yes. he asked me that. And so yes. it, it actually helped me feel better, mm-hmm. you know, to an extent. I mean, it's still a loss. Um, and I, I think he, you know, at the end, he said to me, you know, I, I love you and thank you for that. Mm, so beautiful. I, just beautiful yeah. yes. so i knew we we were good we were yes yeah, so yes exactly you joined him where he was mm-hmm. without being unrealistic mm-hmm. and, and and you brought him comfort that there's nothing better than that who wouldn't want you know if it turns out to be our last moments then then who wouldn't want to be in, yeah. with with somebody who loves them and feeling comfortable and feeling comfortable yes, yes. Yeah. And that was, imp- and I think he also felt safe at that point. Yes. Yes. And, and think about it. Safety at the moment, or, you know, the moments before dying, that's something we don't usually associate those two things, right? No, we don't. No, no. but, but in terms of the spiritual and emotional aspect of it, a lot of safety can be created. And, 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 you know, I celebrate you for, for creating that for your uncle. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I did that for my mom also. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she was one that never wanted me to do healing on her, even though mm-hmm. her mother was the healer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the night before she passed away, she asked me to do healing. Oh, and when I sat with her, you know, I said to her, you know, we can't, ha- you know, oh, help you in any way with the situation. But all I can, you know, help you with is to feel, again, safe and calm mm-hmm. and peaceful and know that everything will be just fine. Mm-hmm. And then again, yes. you know, what thought she passed the next day. Yes. So sometimes it's just the words, you know, not the, you know, oh my God, you're dying, you know, because some people get that so emotional and I can understand that mm-hmm. with the crying and everything else. Yes. But I, I feel then it makes it worse for that person, you know, laying in their bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You know, they, they uh, are, yeah, they're not in a place where they should have to, take the responsibility or even be um, bothered, I don't know, by, by the emotions, <laughs> by high emotions of everybody else around them. Everybody else around them. Yeah, and you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, if a person, if, if for anybody who's going to visit a person who's in those last stages, and if they feel their emotions high, um, you know, sometimes just sitting and breathing and being in silence with a person is plenty, that is presence. And you don't have to talk a lot. You don't. Exactly. Or, you know, if the person is talking mm. to you, then just respond to them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let them take the lead, in other words. But we don't have to force ourselves into these uncomfortable situations, which make our own emotional turmoil worse. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. 
Yeah, and I and I I for one truly understand that because mm-hmm. of the, my own personal experiences. Yes. Yes. So now you know the the type of work that you do. Uh, well, the more I commend you for it, it's it's challenging being with cancer, mm-hmm. you know, survivors. Yes. Because uh, we want them to heal so so much, and we want mm-hmm. them to heal on all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, are most of um, the survivors successful at actually getting past, you know, um, their emotions with this? The, the detrimental emotions? Uh, they, they, yeah, very, yes, yes, I would say yes. The, the most of them are, are very successful at making good progress with this. Um, and my, my goal actually is to sort of hold their hand until they don't need it anymore. So, you know, they kind of graduate beyond, which is great. That's, that's where we want them to be. So it's a, it's a matter of having the support and the structure that they need um, in order to learn skills that they need mm-hmm. to be able to get back in charge. And, and very often you'll find people, yes, breathing easier. And, um, and that's because their, their life looks, they're more at peace with their life. You know, there's, they're not struggling against aspects of their life anymore. They, they've learned to transform things so that they move easily within their own lives and within the circles of people that they serve, you know, that they have associate with. Yes. So uh, when someone is say, diagnosed with cancer, uh, is, is it better for them to see you right away or during their treatment or? Um, I'm here for them whenever they need. Mm-hmm. I have I have worked people during cancer treatment, um, which is a certain kind of fear. Sometimes it's um, about their about coping with life. You know, life can be very challenging with a lot of symptoms, with a lot of you know reactions to treatment, for example. Um, so sometimes it's about getting through that, and then once that is once they're past that, they're not feeling like the immediate like nausea and other things that can come with chemo, then they, then when they move beyond treatment, then there's another set of issues and I help them there as well. So it can be anywhere on the journey. It's very interesting. You know, I've had people come to me many years after their cancer treatment and and still be floundering. And so there's really no time limit for when, what I offer is, it doesn't expire. It's appropriate at any, any stage of the journey to the extent that it's needed. Now, do you sometimes help them with nutrition or? Um... I, I have helped people with nutrition in the past. That would be the holistic medical skills. Um, and people enjoy that about me, that in addition to the emotional work that we do, you know, should they have questions about those physical aspects of how to take care of themselves, I can help answer those or, or at the very least bring them lots and lots of resources. There's more and more resources about that available, um, about good nutrition available. So um I, I can help with that. And, you know, often people can do a lot of that on their own, given some references, some, some good websites or, or good recipe books even. And there's some good ones out there. Right. Yeah. Because I know yeah. nutrition ho- uh, plays a big part in some of it. Sure. In all of it. In, in, you know, in life in yeah. general, if you ask me. <laughs> well, yeah, actually it does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. we need to take care of ourselves. So. We, well, if we want to live a healthy and good life, you know, fully functional or as functional as we can be, yes, nutrition is going to play a huge role there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say, um, you know, this is the only body or temple that we live in. So you need yes. to take care of it because there's no refund or exchange. <laughs> <laughs> You can't get a refund. (laughs) 
And you can't exchange it for anything else. That's right. Good way to put it, Barbara. I like that. Yeah. I mean, even for myself, you know, years ago when I was um, uh, working at corporate and then decided Mm -hmm. (laughs) enough was enough and Mm -hmm. went into the healing aspect and hypnotherapy full time. uh, Yeah. I realized for myself, this is my only body. I need Mm -hmm. to truly take care of me. Otherwise, who else is going to? Yeah, well, I mean, to a certain extent, we take care of each other, but, you know, ultimately comes down to personal responsibility. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And if we, again, if we want to fully engage in life, then we need the physical capacity to do so. Um, and, you know, I, I, I see people around me uh, already with, you know, I, I can't walk very far because of my, you know, feet and I, I, I've got a hip that's deteriorating and, you know, thank God for hip replacements and things that give people their lives back. I mean, that's, yes. you know, I'm, I'm all in favor of people need it, but, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, the stage of deterioration that people get to before that is, is painful to, it's painful for them. It's painful to watch. Yeah. And of course they can't do a lot of the things that they would have loved to do, you know, to, to travel places, you know, I'm a dancer, you know, I, I, life without dancing would be hard for me. <laughs> um, you know, so oh, the people wow. that I dance with, you know, it, it, if, if your body's not letting you dance, this is a, a big difference in the quality of life, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, whatever it is a person wants to do. It, it, it's, it's nice to be able to say, I can still do just about anything I want to. And so I yes. support people in that. Exactly. I know every morning when I get out of bed in the morning, I'm very grateful my eyes open. So (laughs) I know I have another day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just grateful for the fact that I can get myself out of bed. And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, you know, have a house over my, you know, roof over my head and clothes and everything else. But yeah. And I, and the first thing I, I, I tell myself is I am healthy. I am healthy. I am healthy, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that I, I want to begin my day with, you know, like a positive mantra, you could say, yes. you know, um, yes. and, and I'm, I'm, and, and also I say, I am grateful and I am mm-hmm. appreciative and things such as that, yes. but that truly helps. I feel when we, um, can, can move through with gratitude. Yes. Gratitude is a huge skill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, before we were talking about positive, well, you know, like not everything is positive, but there's more positive in our lives than not usually, even if something very difficult is going on. And so I, one of the things I work with people on is recognizing what is positive, what is working in their lives and to give great gratitude for it because that focuses us on what is good about life, even if we're still dealing with something very difficult. Um, you know, I'll, I'll even say things like, you know, okay, yes, such and such body part is struggling right now with the cancer and you're doing everything you can to take care of that. But let's look at what's working. Mm-hmm. You know, are your eyes working? Is your heart working? Are your hands working? You know, think what life would be like if these things did not work. Right. They are. They're working. We're not even thinking about it, but they're working all the time. And so let's give gratitude for what is working. What is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And that goes from physical body parts to any aspect of life. Yes. Gratitude is an enormously powerful practice. I know I tell when, you know, when I, I teach energy healing and I always mm-hmm. tell people, look at your hands mm-hmm. and, and I, I ask them, what do your hands do for you? And mm-hmm. actually our hands do everything for us from cooking to cleaning, yes. to washing ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, you name it, yes. they do it, yes. but then they realize, wow, I've taken that for granted. Yes. Just what my hands do, or mm-hmm. I, I take the for granted, the fact that I can just take a deep breath in. Yes. And yeah, it's these, it's these little big things you could say that are so important. Yes. Yes. And, and, and life, um, 
feels more comfortable and happier when we realize all those things that are working on our behalf. I know because yeah. you know I had a hip replacement I had a boating accident many years ago and unfortunately it, it caused the situation where then I needed to get a hip replacement um, and it was a struggle you know the mm-hmm. the uh, going and give, repairing it and uh, I need, needed a total hip replacement mm-hmm. and um, but then afterwards um I really appreciated more than ever the fact that I was able to walk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny how we take things for granted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Life brings us some, some you know, the proverbial wake-up calls, doesn't it? In it one sure way or does. another. And cancer, of course, is one of them. Yeah. Cancer is a big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, people, once they're through the, the initial um, struggle with treatment, very often they'll look back and say, you know, I really woke up, cancer really woke me up and mm-hmm. realized, you know, what life was all about, how precious life is, how precious every day is. Um, and that will motivate them then to live life in a different way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and a delayed it, gift, uh, you know, gift is also a fraught word with cancer survivors. We're not going to say cancer is a gift, but no. some of the lessons that we can learn after cancer are gifts. Oh yeah. It actually sometimes for some people it becomes a new beginning. Yes. You're able to see things in a different way. Like, like what you just said. Yeah, you know, you know, it was a very interesting example in this regard. It was my father. So my, my father, yes, he he did pass away from pancreatic cancer. He was 80 at the time. But he had had a prior experience that made like that that instilled this lesson in him. And when he was 52, he was hit by a car as a pedestrian. Oh. A very serious accident uh, nearly killed him. Um but he fortunately recovered and then lived these additional 28 years and he 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 lived life knowing it was precious mm-hmm. knowing it was precious understanding that every day like you said when you wake up and you function wow that's that, what a gift that is and so i had him as a role model as an as an adult i i i realized you know that he, he really is not taking anything for granted um and so i learned sort of vicariously through him that yeah everything counts everything counts every every way we spend our time every every encounter that we have with the human beings these all count Mm-hmm. It's all count. There's no throwaways in life. No, and I always say, don't waste that moment because mm-hmm. once that moment leaves you, you cannot get that moment back. True, very true. And so it's so important to cherish what we do have, no yes. matter what what it is, big or small. It, it, yes, yes. And so here's you know, so my father ultimately did pass away of cancer, but after having lived a big chunk of his life in full gratitude and appreciation. And, you know, when we think about it, when people are afraid of dying, Mm -hmm. ultimately it's usually about regrets for the way they're living. Mm -hmm. Um, So to the extent that we can become conscious of how we're living and, and then make any changes that we wish to make, then we have, we simply have a lot less regrets. I, I, I believe my father died basically without regrets. And, and that's about the most blessed way a person can leave this earth, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're, there's no doubt in my mind, yes. And, mm-hmm. and, and actually, even for myself, I say to myself, it, it's time to let go of all that that doesn't serve me purpose, you know, mm-hmm. including any regrets or forgiveness or, or anything. You have to let it go so that yeah, I, I, I can live differently and, and more appreciative and grateful. 
Yes, and, and when we let go, we make space for what's more important to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, you know, it, sometimes it's it, it's a little struggling to let go. But if we if we keep in mind what can happen after that, that this space could be occupied by something that really does lift us up, something really does nourish us, then it makes letting go easier and and the way forward brighter. It sure does. <laughs> well, where can my listeners? find you and, 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 you know, contact you. They, they can find me online at www.drshanifox.com, D-R-S-H-A-N-I-F-O-X.com. Um, okay. They can contact me there. I, I answer all inquiries personally. Uh, and then there's uh, some of my writings there. Uh, women who uh, are survivors of cancer can join my Facebook group, Women Rising Beyond Cancer, if they choose. So it, that's a great way to get in touch with me. And I welcome uh, questions and Happy to talk to anybody who approaches me. Okay. Well, all that information will be uh, on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, you name Beautiful. it, it'll be there yes. so that anyone that needs you. And and I do have some clients that I uh, may actually, uh, one in particular, refer to you. So, because uh, she's uh, having a little bit of a struggle. And I'll be honest to serve them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's why I also ask you where you were living. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Although, but, although my practice is virtual, my practice I work right. with people all over the country in Canada. Okay. Uh, and my practice, I mean. even before Zoom was virtual, so I've I've been doing that since 2018, and and so people can reach me from anywhere. From any anywhere. So, so just repeat your your website again. DrShaniFox.com. Okay. Well, I, I cannot thank you enough for being a guest today, and um, thank you so much for the work that you do. Um, I, for one, truly appreciate it because I know how difficult it is for, you know, cancer survivors and spouses and relationships and everything else. So I, I truly thank you with all my heart. I, I, I'm honored to do this work, Barbara. You know, it's very interesting. People will hear that I work with cancer patients and survivors and they say, isn't that depressing? And I say, couldn't be farther from the truth. I, it's actually inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring to, to see the wisdom and strength and resilience within people. So I'm, I'm honored to do the work that I do. And I'm honored to be here today with you, Barbara. Well, thank you so much. And um, I want to thank everybody today for listening. And uh, again, a big thank you to Dr. Shani Fox. And I hope that you heard what you needed to hear. Um, again, thank you for listening. And visit me at my website, motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this uh, uh, channel, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I have amazing guests on here, including Dr. Fox. And um, I also have another YouTube channel, just my name, Barbara Saban. And there I have some uh, meditations uh, for sleep, relaxation, grounding, and getting in touch with your angels and all things that you may find interesting. Uh, And for those of you that are Uh, maybe interested in learning energy healing, you could check out my book, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing on Amazon. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Fox, for being here today. And uh, thank you for listening and have a wonderful, you know, week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.